Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, go ahead and roll for perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language. And with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from artistic architecture to aggravating attacks. And today, we're talking about the abyss. All right, Brian. What's down there? A whole lot of bad. Tell me what. A whole what, lot of bad. Tell me what things. Okay, let's talk about the abyss. I would like to. <laughs> I mean, that is what we're. It'd be weird for. if we didn't. If we were, let's talk about something else. <laughs> All right. Um, the abyss is the chaotic, evil-aligned plane of existence. Let's just talk about that for a second because we haven't really t- touched on that. You, like you know, the nine hells is the lawful, evil-aligned plane. Yeah, but there's basically like sixteen. I think it's sixteen outer planes that are all aligned to a different alignment. Including like in between alignments. So, like, um, Beator is aligned with lawful evil. Acheron, which is where McLubia and Grumshar, is attuned simultaneously to lawful evil and lawful neutral. So, it like rides this in between line. And okay. then Primus is lawful, well, not Primus, Mechanus is lawful neutral. It's like heading you know north. Saying? It's like heading north and then heading northwest. Exactly. And then heading north, northwest. And exactly. Then west, northwest. E- exactly that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, now we're in the bottom right hand corner of the alignment chart. We're in the abyss, uh, chaotic, evil, aligned plane of existence. Cool. It's so made due south. Yeah, <laughs> it's made up of an unknown number of layers. Uh, there are likely an infinite number of layers. Mm. Um, sometimes these layers are treated as like demi planes, kind of like uh, uh, Ravenloft, or it's like uh, Barovia is like this almost like county sized plane of existence. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sometimes sometimes these these layers are treated like continent sized if mm-hmm. you will. And sometimes they're treated as infinite in their own right, um, kind of like Beator. 
Are there just um, a bunch of like, is like when malware gets into your computer and starts like making a bunch of fucking files that go down into like this wormhole <laughs> into your computer? We're going to talk about where the layers of the abyss come from. Okay. It's actually going to be a big part of this episode. But it, uh, it's the birthplace uh, and home plane of demons. Okay. Uh, who are like chaotic evil fiends. Are they like, are there like blank ones that just get made and they're just kind of empty? Is they're infinite. Oh, you're talking about la- no, we're going to talk about layers. Is creation. Like a, what is it? Murphy's later. Murphy's Law or whatever? No. Okay. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Like so, there's a there's a bunch of monkeys like on typewriters writing the Wizard of know, Oz I know, down in the yeah no, okay cool. no <laughs> <laughs> so let's be straight here uh, as like with the first fact there's a lot of conflicting lore here okay like one lore says that like their demi planes are like finite in size and others are no they're all infinite in their own right and it's all over the fucking place hmm. with this goddamn concept or or subject the abyss is treated simultaneously as a singular gaping wound or bottomless pit in the structure of reality but it's also said to be a loose collection of countless worlds consumed by demons and assimilated into the vague conglomerate we call the abyss okay again conflicting (laughs) disclaimer time all of this lore is extremely fluid from addition to addition and from setting to setting um it's that's so many it's, things in D and D too. It, this is worse than most, and yeah. often the the information on the abyss is intentionally left vague. Okay. Um, furthermore, like there's not a large amount written in five e published books yet, so most of the lore I'm I'm drawing from comes from pre fourth edition because fourth edition is its own beast. Yeah, and with firmer established lore indeed right? I, I actually want to say hats off to fourth edition for its clear concise and very awesomely unique abyssal lore that we're going to get into that much at the tail end of the episode but my, my point here is i'm going to do my best to paint a clear picture but take everything that i say here with a grain of salt and we're probably going to take a second pass at the abyss if and when 5e comes out with anything like more substantial on the abyss. yeah like another uh Which something else like mordenkainen's where they they kind of yeah, where they dive something into it. with the magnifying glass, and they probably will. I mean, I think we're we're probably due for like a manual of the planes or or a fiendish codex or something along those lines. Ooh. But we'll we'll see. We'll see where it goes. A codex, you said. So, the creation of the abyss is not told, <laughs> except for in fourth edition. Uh, but it is understood that it predates even the gods. And I think the idea is that the existence itself produces these outer planes spontaneously. The alignment chart is real. And it must be expressed. <laughs> and thus it is. So planes of existence, are that's where it falls in. I guess so. Okay. The various layers of the abyss are manifestations of perversion, chaos, entropy, and evil. They are unpredictable and even murderous. Some would say that the abyss is, in, in its own way, alive and has an agenda. Oh, we'll get into that a little bit later. later. But each layer of the abyss is its own unique, horrific environment. A microcosm of terror. Um, its own hellscape. Right, and no okay. two layers are alike. Um, they could be anything too. It's not like, like with with the nine hells, it, they were like real traditional hellscapes: frozen wasteland, uh, fiery magma zone, right? Um, another frozen wasteland, <laughs> <laughs> a really gross layer we don't like to talk about. No, like stuff like that. <laughs> uh, with, with the abyss, it's literally anything and everything. Uh, anything from like endless dark and poisonous jungles to vast wastelands with unbreathable toxic air, infinite black oceans underneath red skies. It can, it can, Jeez. and is anything. Okay. Um, the only two things that are uniform about all abyssal layers are number one, they suck. Number two, <laughs> <laughs> nice. number two, they all reflect a certain nature of entropy. Basically, everything in the abyss is kind of in the state of decay, decrepancy, death, uh, corrosion. Um, it's all just falling apart. 
but it never quite falls all the way apart. It just looks like that constantly. I guess so, yeah. Mm. Um, plus, on top of it, almost everything in these abyss in these abyssal layers are like actively trying to kill you. Okay. It's like it's like the layer nice. itself is alive and wants you dead. <laughs> okay. So it's very scary. Not a good place to visit. No. Definitely don't honeymoon here. But not if you're a demon. Yeah. Despite all of this stuff, the abyss is obviously not uninhabited. Demons live here. They're born here. They generally thrive here. And this is due to the fact that the abyss itself spontaneously creates them, outfitting them with forms capable of surviving in extreme environments. But why? Like, yeah. And we're, we're going to answer that. Before we answer that, we're going to talk about the origins of demons a little bit um, because it kind of doesn't make sense. It's, it's, uh, it's a plane of existence dedicated to death and destruction. Why does it create anything? Mm -hmm. So first, let's talk about beings called Oberiths or Oberiths. It's okay. really however you pronounce it up to you. Uh, we haven't really talked about them. I mentioned them very briefly in the Demons episode, but I literally said we're not going to talk about them until this episode, so here we are. Okay. They're a very odd bit of D&D &D lore. They are the original inhabitants of the Abyss. Their origins aren't revealed except from 4th uh, edition, but um, it's understood that they predate the gods as well. And they're considered demons, and they're considered chaotic evil, um, but they're not... They're distinctly different from... what most people consider demons the tanari which are like all the various demons we talked about in the demons episode yeah like those are tanari and oberiths are not tanari and physically the main difference here is that oberiths are very lovecraftian looking okay i was gonna you ask know, what yeah, they they're look like. like they're like elder they're very cthulhu-esque so they're they've got squid face got squid face they got and, da and they the got davy jones they got davy jones yeah indeed they <laughs> that's, got a, that's a real Davy disease jones. it's a real you disease. heard it here uh, and they're kind of like on the power level of like Cthulhu or, or lesser. Like none of them are like on the level of like um, like Azathoth a true great old one or, or something Yonsathoth, like that. Yeah. yeah, from actual Lovecraftian stuff. Like that's like uh, what are, the the great old ones. That's like yeah, something else. Exactly. But um, there's lore that basically states that they kind of wage their own war on the cosmos, kind of like the Blood War. Okay. Where it's like chaos versus law, and they created the Tanari out of like the materials of the abyss to as a slave race, as a slave army. Oh. And long story short, they end up suffering a major defeat at some point against the forces of law and good. Um, there's some major Oberinth leadership that dies. The Queen of Chaos, who's like the leader of all the Oberinth, ends up fleeing deep into the abyss. Oh shit. And it's okay. at this point the Tanari, who have been growing in number and power all this time. Uh, specifically, they've been kind of forming this independent bond with the Abyss that the Oberinths don't really understand. Uh, they rebel, and they overthrow the Oberinths. And the Oberinths are now basically declining to the point of near extinction. There's very few of them left. Um, there are a few demon lords that are Oberinths. We'll okay. talk about them probably in a later date. But the Abyss favors the Tanari. God, because there's so many demon lords, right? Oh, yeah. There's so many. There's, yeah, just, there's a shit ton of them. God. So... <laughs> theory time. Here's my theory on like why the abyss does what it does and why it favored and bonded with the Tanari. Um, I think the Tanari being made up of the material of the abyss are literally just an extension of the abyss. They they're just part of the abyss. Okay. They're made of the same stuff, thus explaining the bond. And so I think the abyss, since it's kind of established that it's kind of alive, it's demons and the abyss are almost like a virus. Okay, yeah. With one purpose, spread and destroy yeah, self everything. Exactly. So there, we're going to get into how and why. How, not why, but how it spreads throughout the cosmos. But before we do that, 
Let's take a short rest. Let's do it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The Shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode where I talk about that last thing. We're going to talk about how much we love the listener. Right, Will? Indeed. How much do we love the listener, Will? All the much. All the much. Mostly just love for you i don't care what you say about me i love you anyway (laughs) Um, thanks for listening to the show guys we really appreciate you being here and um really appreciate it if you uh want to help us out you can do so on uh patreon.com slash dungeon cast or you can get in there uh, and just tell somebody about the show that's really the main thing is uh visibility on this this bad boy and to help with that we are running a contest because we want to we want to we want to just give you guys some stuff well a couple of you if you help us you know yeah, we're, <laughs> we're giving away two dice sets. One is an elven dice set, and uh, the other one is a dwarven dice set. They're just really stylized. They look really pretty. I yeah, can't remember the fancy. I can't remember the name of the brand that I chose, but they're both from the same company. Yeah, go to our Twitter at the Dungeon Cast for yeah, more info on that. Indeed, but if you want to enter the contest to win either or both of these dice, actually, I very much doubt that you could win both. But it, hey, it could happen. It could happen. The way that you would do that is tweet a link to the sh- show. Probably your favorite episode. Probably your favorite episode. To your followers with the hashtag DungeonCast and with the hashtag of the dice set that you want. Mm-hmm. Be that hashtag Elven or hashtag Dwarven. 
I guess you could put hashtag both. No, don't put hashtag both. I won't accept that. Yeah, actually. if you if you do if you do if you do both, it's fine. Like there's if you hashtag it dungeon cast, you're gonna get entered. But if you hashtag both dice, it'll be like the same situation as if you forgot to hashtag a dice set at all, and we're that. gonna flip a coin and give you one. Indeed. Or maybe we'll just ask them. I I don't think I could ask every individual person. No, like well, who well, wins? No, the reason that we can't just ask who wins is oh, because yeah. the first person gets the pick, and what if the other person wanted the other? You're thing? right. So you're right. Yeah, they have to be separate. Right. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, coin flipping or like whatever, we'll figure it out. Try to hashtag it with <laughs> with the set of dice you want. Um, otherwise, um, if you're gonna tell somebody about the show, tell them uh, besides tweeting that link out, you can tell them to find us on SoundCloud.com/slash/TheDungeonCast or any podcast app. Or you can tell tell somebody to find us on YouTube. Just search for the Dungeon Cast. You can send us an email at thedungeoncast at gmail.com. Um, like I said, find us on Twitter at the Dungeon Cast, or you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash the Dungeon Cast. And I think we should go back to the show. Let's go back to the show. Let's go back to a lot the of nasty show. stuff to talk Let's about. Some nasty stuff back at the show. We're All right, Brian. So we're we're gonna get into to the spreading of the infection of the abyss. Before yeah. we do that, do you have any questions? It's about basically stuff? it's basically Ultron. The abyss is Ultron. Yes, much like Ultron. The, the abyss, abyss is wishes to spread. What is it? Jarvis and Tony Stark and Bruce Banner and. Oh, he's like an amalgamation of all the... the yeah, the, I think I... So, because they were talking about all the things that um, Vision is made up of. So, it's mm-hmm. basically all that minus the Soul Stone, right? I guess so. No. What? That's not right. It's just Evil Jarvis, isn't it? What? <laughs> evil isn't, Jarvis? Isn't Ultron just Evil Jarvis? Okay. Comics Ultron and movie Ultron are a lot different, but Ultron oh, God, was, I hate movie Ultron. Ultron in the movie was a combination of Banner... Stark and um, Jarvis okay, yeah, intelligence yeah. with the Mind Stone kind of overlaid over it. Oh, that's what it was, the Mind yeah, Stone, not yeah. the Soul Stone. And then Vision is all that plus, I guess, Ultron. I don't know. Plus love. Plus love. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so so, so yeah, the, abyss, okay. the Abyss is Ultron. <laughs> Sure. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm just going to say sure, and we're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> trying to so say, I want to I want to reiterate. Out. <laughs> I want to reiterate what I was saying about like why, um, why the abyss creates those demons. I think that when the Aberrants created the Tanari and made them out of a, the abyssal material, they essentially made the abyss aware of its own existence, if you will. Okay. Because, like, you know, uh, demons are sentient and they're made up of abyssal stuff and they form this bond with the with the plane itself. And now the plane knows and understands that it exists. And so they have wants, this, like, this inherent tie to that particular layer. Mm-hmm, and it wants it wants its demons to go forth and spread. <laughs> go and forth, so it creates my more. children. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So More demon. Okay, let's talk about how, how the abyssal corruption spreads. So demons are able to corrupt a location with their mere presence. If a demon dwells in a non-abyssal location for an extended period of time, the area will begin to warp in response to the abyssal energies that are kind of exuded by the demon. Okay. Um, left unchecked, this warping can and will lead to a portal linking uh, the area to the abyss, and this can let more demons in, speeding up the planar infection. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is called an abyssal incursion, and this happens in four stages, much like cancer. So stage one. Yeah, I was going to say I was gonna say something much less appropriate. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, it's sexual uh, in nature. Moving on. All right, stage one, the initial infection. So at this point, one or more demons arrive on a plane. Okay. Uh, and they manage to dwell there undisturbed for eh, however long. In order to make it to stage two, um, 
how long depends on like the strength and number of the demons. The stronger the demon, the shorter the period of time. Okay, makes sense. So during this period, though, all the plants in the area are going to grow twisted and like tumorous and dead looking. Uh, the bodies of water in the area are going to become tainted. Uh, animals in general will just flee the area. And the weather is going to get a little weird. So I'm going to get dangerous. It's just going to get like it's going to get hot. For much longer than it should. Oh, gross! And like and like, if it, maybe if it's a cold area, it's gonna stay cold much longer than it should. Maybe the winds will be bothersome. Just pr- what weather makes you uncomfortable? Just Ex- imagine that for exactly. longer this time, though. For longer and slightly worse. Slightly basically. worse. Okay. So at this point, killing the demons, eradicating them, will reverse any infection going on. Okay, so like they bring the plane with them, kind of. Kind of. Again, they're extensions of the plane itself. Right. So yes, you're right. So beat them back. Stage two. A portal forms. So at this point, uh, stage two begins when an actual portal opens, linking the area to a random location in the abyss. Now, this stage is kind of the most crucial of the four stages because this is this is the end all be all. Like depending on how this works out, like this will either lead to horrific a horrific calamity or nothing at all. Okay. Because due to the (laughs) the immensity of the abyss, it's it's quite likely that a portal is going to open up to an uninhabited location that no one will know how to get to okay. or sense. And this can, again, uh, delay an incursion indefinitely. Okay, cool. Um, but it, theoretically, if, if that's not the case, as more demons find and use the portal, the stronger the corruption becomes. Weather goes from weird to freakishly dangerous. Now we're talking about, like, you know, storms that are kicking up giant boulders and lightning strikes constantly. And oh, maybe man. Maybe firestorms. I don't know. Just, like, sporadic weather Indeed, starts happening. Like, heat that's, like, that will fucking kill you, kind of. Like, oh. 120 degrees oh. higher Fahrenheit, of course, I'm speaking in. Because, like, plants um, are dying Because 120 Celsius will fucking burn you. To yeah, you'll just disintegrate, <laughs> right? Just, you'll just light on fire. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, basically, the environment becomes unlivable for normal people. If demons here are reduced to 50%, the portal will close. And then after that, if you kill the rest of them, you can you can undo the infection over time. Okay, cool. Okay, stage three, the infection spreads beyond the initial area. Uh, basically, the size of the affected area grows, and demon bands begin to form and venture outward and cause new infection sites and try and create new portals. Right, okay. So basically, just the infection just gets so, so moving, much stronger. Yeah, they move out of Raccoon City. Yeah. Um, the infection here is so strong, in fact, that killing the demons will not fix everything. The affected area will stay bad, and the portal will go dormant, but it won't go away completely. And you'll have to basically keep that portal guarded at infinitum. Wow, okay. So, yay. <laughs> Enter stage four. A demon lord arrives. <laughs> so this a demon lord arriving is a cataclysmic event. Oh, yeah. Um, a demon lord's presence overwhelms the minds of living beings and prevents their resistance. So people just become paralyzed with fear or flee. Like, a standing army isn't going to stand anymore unless they're uh, being driven forth by, like, divine power or maybe, like, infernal power. Because, again, yeah. only those of super strong will and charisma will be able to stand in the face of this bullshit. Or, like, magic. You're just going to go crazy. Yeah. Or magic, like, yeah, magical war. Magic, or bar- yeah, barriers and whatnot. Yeah, so... So without resistance, the demons are going to form into an army under the command of the demon lord, and they're going to can it be, be Demogorgon? Sure, yeah. Shout Demogorgon out, shows. Shout sh- out to Demogorgon. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> Demogorgon show, shows up, and he's actually a great pick because he kind of causes madness. Madness is kind of a thing with him. Yeah. So he's going to cause everyone to go crazy. The demons are just going to start stripping the land of life, and uh, the <laughs> world's fun. only hope for survival at this point is to defeat the demon lord uh, and send him back to the abyss, and then undo all the stuff. But like this isn't going to, so this will this will save the world. But the stuff that the the places where the demon lord ventured 
become irreparably damaged. Okay. Like just corrupted forever now. And this so, will never go away. Are there demons that look like um like al- like algae eaters, like like suckerfish? Like a pocosimus? Yeah, sure. Is that what that is? Okay, yeah. cuz like that would be funny if that's like when you were like sucking the land out or <laughs> sucking <laughs> the life out of the land, there's just like a bunch of like little suckerfish that don't need water. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah, I like that. That's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. cool. Everything will like turn gray there's around a, it. There's a demon lord named Dagon who's named after the Lovecraftian uh, deity Dagon, and he's like this tentacle fish leviathan. Okay. And uh, actually, he's inherently tied to Demogorgon. They're like buddies. Really? And uh, that's kinda. Cool. Dagon's and using Demogorgon. Demogorgon is low key an idiot. But yeah. Anyway, there's two. There's like two people in there. Right. And don't so, talk about Demogorgon like that. <laughs> You're offending I'm sorry. me and Demogorgon. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> but uh, he, One of the heads was cool with it. The other he, one wasn't. Right. He, <laughs> he has an abyssal layer that's all water. But my point my point is I see if Dagon... Oh, the squid I guy. I can see if Dagon were to okay. invade um, a world, he would have Pocosimus demons doing that. Nice. He's like, he's like a fish demon lord. <laughs> he's like that's throwing them with his out. face tentacles? Yeah. Because he has the Davy Jones too. Indeed. He <laughs> is the Davy Jones. He is. No, he's not. No okay. one is Davy Jones except for Davy Jones. Dagon might be my favorite demon lord, but... I don't okay. know. We'll get there. I know who my favorite or demon Orcus. lord is. Yeah. Anyways. All right. So, so long story short. Shout out um, to Demon If the demon lord isn't stopped, the world is lost and it will now be assimilated into the abyss and become an abyssal layer. So the material plane just becomes the abyss. Right. And nobody wants that? No, nobody wants that. Except for the demons. They want that. But who's going to... Is somebody going to intervene? Um, like, is a, okay. is a celestial plane going to, like, try to prevent that or what? So this what? gets into, like, okay, what is the nature of the cosmos? Like, yeah. we're basically admitting at this point that, like, everything's a multiverse. Well, yeah, it and is. It, yeah, and it, yeah, that would stand to reason. So, like, the prime material plane that you're in is just your prime material plane, and there's countless others. And countless others are getting invaded by the abyss okay. and stuff so, like that. Because I always picture, man, whenever we talk about... Like dragons, my mind is set on a, com- a dragon-based campaign. But when right. we talk about demons or devils, I always picture like those are that is the main function of the campaign. That is what is going on. And that's you can completely run your games like that. I kind of do that too. You just kind of focus in on one thing because there's yeah, so much lore. Exactly. But you know, yeah, I I see what you're what, what you're getting at. All right, so that's that's how the abyss spreads. Okay, according to the lore that I dug up. Okay, let's talk about fourth edition. Okay. okay, I like fourth edition. I like. Man, it was really fun. We've only I've only ever played one full game of fourth edition, but it was really good. It's fun. It's it's a totally different experience. It is from completely different. D and understand why a lot of people don't like it. Yeah, I, I can f- see why. I feel like if instead if it had been like an offshoot of D and D called like D and D Tactics, it probably would have done better. Hey, that's not bad. Yeah. That being said, I mean that's I'm basically a, what it is. At I'm this a point. huge fan of the Abyssal lore for fourth edition. So here's the thing: in fourth edition. Aubrens are true to their Lovecraftian nature. They're more, they're still kind of on the Cthulhu level, but they're like, they're from another place. Okay. And they're actually like another universe. And in their universe, they created an equivalent to the Abyss that they call the Void Harrow. Okay. Now, in this universe, the Void Harrow actually consumes everything in their universe. And once that happens, all the Oberynths turn on each other. Mm. And it's just fucking mayhem because they're beings of destruction and entropy. So what yeah. do you do? So it kind of comes down to like a last few powerful Oberons, like demon lord level powerful. Like I think there's 12, 12 Oberon lords or something like that. Okay. Well, they realize that like, well, they're it. And so what are like if everything is destroyed, 
what will we destroy? <laughs> That's kind of their mentality. So <laughs> they're gonna start pulling their punches. So yeah, they're like, so, no way. So we need we need something. They they join forces and together they fashion all of their hatred and hunger for destruction into one horrific artifact. The shard of pure evil. Okay, cool. We talked about the shard we of pure did. evil. I remember it. episode. That's gonna come into play. So they use the shard to pierce their reality and to leave their their D universe and come to your D universe. Hell yeah. <laughs> and that sounds at, like a really first, bad movie trailer. I know, right? <laughs> so that it's they can't tear the hole big enough quite quick enough for them to, to come immediately they kind of just send the shard through okay and hope it all works out <laughs> well it does because the shard gets found by a deity named Thoros dune who he'll get his own episode but he's in fourth edition lore he's like the god of the abyss he creates the abyss that's the thing he finds the shard the shard instantly corrupts him and drives him to create the abyss uh, and and we're not going to get into well I guess and then we he's shoving it, it through like planar walls like people trying to move a, a sofa into an apartment in the abyss in the abyss in the fourth edition the abyss exists at the bottom of the elemental chaos okay so it's like the elemental chaos is kind of keeping it at bay but at the same time it's degrading at the chaos and like a lot of the demon lords of, in fourth edition are previous like primordials that got caught up in the abyss and got corrupted mm-hmm. so so yeah that's kind of where where the abyss exists okay but so eventually the Oberons arrive and when they arrive they're like Oh, okay, cool. The Abyss is awesome, but who the fuck are you looking at Thor's Dune? And so they fight him because <laughs> <laughs> they want the shard back. And Thor's Dune's like, "No, this is mine. It's, like, it's mine now. I'm, I'm so evil." <laughs> um, anyways, it's 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 a um, a stalemate. Okay. And but during the fight, the the shard is lost and it kind of falls to the bottom of the abyss. Um, there's one Oberth Lord who eventually gets the shard, but he ends up getting thwarted by newly formed demon lords Demogorgon, Orcus, and Baphomet. Shout out to Demogorgon. In 4th edition, again, our previously primordials turned Demon Lord. Okay. Uh, they hurl him into the absolute, like, bottomless pit of the abyss along with the shard. Um, Wait, with the shard? Yeah. Uh, why? Because the Demon Lords, not the Oberynths and not Thar's Dune, because they're not Demon Lords technically. One's a god, the other are Oberynths. The Demon Lords like the status quo. Shard oh. stays here. The abyss keeps spreading. We oh, grow okay. power. Got it. They don't. They don't really want anyone to possess it. Okay. Cool. Um. So it's good to fling it into the the nothingness. Right. Right. So this, the the hurling of this Oberynth into the bottom of the abyss, uh, creates an impact, um, and it creates a giant fissure called the Blood Rift, and that's Ooh. where the shard falls in. Okay. Okay. So. After this happens, no one can get their hands on the Shard of Evil except for one person makes it there, Asmodeus. Oh, nice. He gets there. He's not able to to get a hold of the whole thing, but he breaks off a piece of it, forms his Ruby Rod from from the Shard of Evil. Right. And then the Blood War in 4th edition starts because the Demon Lords want that Shard back. Again, they like the status quo, and they don't like that this asshole now has a piece (laughs) of their, basically their soul, I guess you could say. Yeah. Their power source, kind of. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, exactly. So... So there it is. That's the fourth edition lore on the abyss. Clear, concise, all in one single spot. And right not convoluted here. and confusing. You can find it here on the dungeon indeed. cast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, indeed. Indeed you can. So the physical nature of the abyss not only changes and warps things around it, but it is also an incredible, incredibly malleable plane of existence. Basically yeah. those it's like a big piece chaotic, of play Yeah. Basically chaotic beings with um, incredibly powerful like forces of the will, like like demon lords, can 
essentially customize layers to their wills. Right. Which, okay. Which you know we'll see. Okay. Let's let's actually talk about specific locations in the abyss. Okay. Well, let's do because there's probably there's so much. There's got to be like notable notable areas, right? There are. There okay. Are. So the first area that we're going to talk about is called Bazunia. Now, this is also known as the Plane of Infinite Portals, and it's considered to be the first layer of the Abyss, only because it was the first one really discovered by mortals. Oh, okay, cool. Um, also, it I mean, is... you have to categorize it somehow. Right. It is also ground zero for, like, the Blood War. Okay. Like, this is where uh, devils are invading. This is starting here. And it's a choice location to invade anyways, because the infinite portals are all portals going to other layers of the Abyss. So it's, like, real strong entry point. Okay. So, Pizunia is a swelteringly hot and windswept barren wasteland. It's awash with red light from a dying sun. Um, it has countless massive pits sprawled across the land. And at the bottom of each of these pits is a portal. So, uh, also, this, this layer is dotted with ancient ruins from the Oberith societies. Of, okay. Like, time immemorial. That's cool. In constant decay. So, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like old statues or something like that, or like what? Old statues, old buildings, old, you know, because they're not all just giant demon lords. There was like peon over it. Just like a, not. just like a wasteland. It's like in the Matrix when there's, he's like, this is the desert of the real, and it's just some fucking fucked up, like, yeah, yeah, but real hot. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. Very similar to that. Um, like I said, it's the ground zero for the devil invasion. Um, this layer is inhabited mostly by flying demons, which is fitting because the demon lord that rules this layer is called uh, Pazazu. Okay. He's like this, you know. Uh, we talked about Vrox in in the Demon Lord or in the Demons episode. I okay, remember them? They're like vulture demons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's ringing a bell. Pazazu's like a souped up looking one of those. Like okay. that's not what he is, but that's what he looks like. He's like a giant vulture slash condor demon. So it's just a big like it's like feathers. Kind yeah, of there's thing? feathers. Cool. Uh, some say that he's the chaotic like, evil feathers. Um. Yes, of course. <laughs> some say that he's the creator of the Aracocra. Oh, yeah. You know, depending on your lore, like he is or isn't, and he's the one that the Air Cooker betrayed. But that doesn't really stand up to like, yeah, why I don't you like banish that. them, and why aren't the Air Cooker more demon-like? Like, yeah, yeah, they're just it doesn't really stand up to reason. No, for, for me, I I like the lore that says like they serve someone in the elemental plane of air, like yeah, some god or some some primordial. That's kind of cool. Like that. Yeah, so that's Pazunia. I don't know if you got any questions about Pazunia. Uh, no. Okay, let's talk about the gaping mall. Let's let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the gaping this maw. Is, this is home to Chiboy Demogorgon. Oh, shout out um, to Demogorgon! Indeed, it is a primeval continent covered in a dense jungle that houses demons of savagery and madness. Okay, the power of Demogorgon causes madness in even the most powerful demons here. It's because he himself is insane. He's got like split personalities. Right, the two heads, heads thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, well, he'll get his own episode. Um, yeah, he will. Yeah, the <laughs> continent is surrounded by an endless ocean that holds powerful demonic krakens and other legendary leviathans. I find this very fitting because, again, we we've established that Demogorgon has an alliance with Dagon, who's like basically this ocean demon lord. Right. So the fact that his continent is surrounded by ocean, it's probably how they got in contact in the first place. Right. Okay. Or maybe they made it that way after they they formed an alliance, so Dagon can show up and be like, "Yo, what's up?" Because <laughs> <laughs> Dagon kind of serves as that's the thing. Like they have an alliance, but Dagon um, is he. He's under the guise of being a servant of Demogorgon. Okay. Basically, he's like he's like the royal vizier. He's like he gives him all the information he needs, but he's actually just manipulating Demogorgon <laughs> to do what he wants. So okay. it's like who's really in control here? He's like 
you could be so good, Demogorgon, if you used your brains for strategy instead of arguing with yourself. So I'll be your brains. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is basically the deal they have there. Right. And you worry about your madness. Yeah. I got you. And I think it kind of is that one head is like, like has a good rapport with him and the other head like doesn't trust him. Yeah, sure. I mean, that head's actually right. But <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> so yeah, that's a gaming mod. It's like, it's like a Jumanji. Basically, oh nice, it's Jumanji, because Jum- well, that's how Jumanji is described in the first Jumanji movie. It's like this dark, evil environment that's trying to kill you. Yeah, and everything in there's scary, like and ultimate evil. survival land. Yeah, and like all the all the monsters there are or monsters, all the animals there are monstrous and unnaturally big and murderous. Yeah, it's like the Hunger Games. Yeah, it's just a like the Jumanji is just like a fucking like a portal. Yeah. I would say Jumanji, the game, it takes you to the gaping maw. Or it takes the gaping maw to you. Or that, yeah. Because Alan Parrish went into the board, mm-hmm. but then the board came out. It spat it back out. <laughs> indeed, Mostly indeed, it indeed. just comes, like most of yeah. Jumanji, Portal if you're not Alan Parrish, is just spitting out the gaping maw at you. So you heard it here, guys. Jumanji is just a portal to the abyss. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, last place we're going to talk about. Yeah, that gives me some good visuals because I used to picture the abyss as like, I don't know. I didn't really have any idea. I had right. like this, like it was like mostly bluish and like kind of weird, like like okay. not like areas of nothingness where demons are just like waiting to be like catapulted into battle. Mm, I see. I see. Yeah, but they're actually like in environment with like. So you, did you mention earlier like animals in there and stuff? Like, well, in this case, it would be demons. Oh, but that was that was the that was the abyss coming out into the material plane. Like the, that, the that animals. Was Jumanji. Like, yeah, Jumanji. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I got <laughs> okay. it straight now. You got it straight. Yeah. All right. Cool. Because we're gonna move on now. Let's talk about Thanatos. Which is the home... Sorry, Thanos? Thanatos. Thanatos. Not the same. <laughs> Which is home to the de- demon lord Orcus, the okay. main rival and equal um, in strength demon lord to Demogorgon. Um, he, he's like the lord of the undead. Well, he'll get his own episode. Okay. But Shout out to Demogorgon. Thanatos is uh, a region uh, covered in perpetual night. It's a, it's a land of bleak mountains and endless tundra. It's covered in ruined cities, tombs mausoleums and graveyards that's cool now here's the thing i'm not sure where these places came from yeah right but if we're going with the whole like the abyss is made up of infected worlds like this could just be the remnants of a civilization that got assimilated long ago or they played jumanji and they got they just got (laughs) teleported there sure that (laughs) um this plane is overrun with undead because that's kind of orcus's deal he can't orcus's deal is that the universe irritates him. Oh. He cannot suffer the living. Right, okay. And he refuses to have anybody who serves him be living or share a plane of existence with living, which kind of begs the question, do demons live here? <laughs> or is he just like, he just has a bunch of undead, or does he kill his undead and turn them into, or kill his demons and turn them into undead? Maybe he doesn't count demons not... because they're like an extension of the abyss, and he's that. Funny story about Orcus. Okay. <laughs> Since we're talking about him, is he is the only demon lord I'm aware of that started off as a mortal human. Oh. Because okay, pause for a second. Yeah. We talked about in in the Devils episode how like uh you know Asmo and the and the and the devils like gather mortal souls and turn them into devils. Mm-hmm. The same thing can happen to mortals that are chaotic evil, or if they die in the abyss, um, or if they get banished to the abyss by some other force, they will become a um, the equivalent to the Lemurs, they become these things called, it's either pronounced Manes or Maness. It's M-A-N-E-S. But they're basically like Abyssal Lemurs. Or Mannies. 
or manis, little little manis. <laughs> um, either way, they're like there's the, they're these incorporeal blob monsters that are like chaotic evil. Okay, but if they survive long enough, they'll start turning into like upper levels of demons. And so this mortal human who died and became a, a little manny um, <laughs> climbed his way up the ladder and now is the most powerful, if not second most powerful demon lord there is. Big old manny now, and he just hates the living. Okay. But anyway, so this place is this place is covered in undead. Nice. Uh, as a matter of fact, the very uh, fabric of reality drains life here. Just being here, like every hour, you're gonna lose like a d6 of HP. Oh shit! The air here is so thin that it's suffocating. You can't breathe. So if you gotta breathe, you can't be here either. Yeah, time and to so, take your heavy armor yeah, Orcus off. Orcus rules from his necropolis, which is you know just this fallen city called that he calls Everlost. He <laughs> kind of rules from his throne here. Nice, cool name. Um, so yeah. Those are some locations. Emo like, as hell. I, as you can, yeah, he's really edgelord. <laughs> I just hate everything. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, as you can see, these are three completely different types of places. And, yeah. And the possibilities are endless. That's one of the cool things about the Abyss is you can pretty literally much do whatever. make it up, do whatever you want, just make it deadly and evil, and you're good. Yeah, chaotic. Um, that being said, the Abyss isn't a place that you should send lower level characters. No, um, no. Mostly because if you're going by by the book, then they should probably die within hours. Because right. they won't be able to withstand it. And if you were to make them able to withstand the Abyss, then you're kind of really losing the, um, I don't know, the threat level yeah. of the Abyss. If level two characters can make it, it can eat out an existence here, even if it's meager, like that really lowers like the scariness of this place to me. So that kind of corners you into like you've got to fight demons like early game and the early levels like on your home plane and then right. eventually make your way into the abyss. That's like the so. kind of campaign you're going to almost definitely. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So with that being said, do you have any questions about the abyss? Any questions about demons? Any questions about Oberinths? Uh Demon Lords? I don't know. Chaos? Mm. Nah. All right. And then I must have done an okay job. I, I, I feel like I have a better, now I have like a visual for like what goes on here, you know, like, yeah, I can like picture it a little better. So awesome. that's good. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, let's call it a game. Let's We're going to talk to you guys later. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.